Well, we thought it would be important to move from the Old Testament to the New Testament and for the next few weeks go through people of the Bible, but we're going to take people who are around the, the story or the account of the history of the birth of Jesus Christ. Today, we are going to be talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus. And let me just read this scripture and then we'll dig right into it. In Luke chapter 1, verse, starting at verse 26, it says this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. Can you say favored? Favored. favored. We're going to be talking about how to receive God's favor. There's something interesting about uh, what Mary's account is that she's named favored. O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have, been found, you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Have you ever wondered how it is that God chose Mary? Have you ever thought of that before? That, that of all of the people, he says, Mary, I choose you. Now, let's learn a little bit about Mary. Mary, probably we don't know this for sure, but if culturally um, it was true to the culture, Mary would have been anywhere between 12 to 16 years old. Anybody 12 to 16 years old in this room, just raise your hand. Any girls 12 or 16 years old in this room, raise your hand. Okay, just, just do you mind just standing up for a minute? How old are you? 14. 14. All right. You can maybe be seated. So just want to give you a visual of what that might look like. That Mary, anywhere between, because culturally they would, the moment that a woman would be able to be uh, able to give birth, she would then find a husband and begin a family out of the gate. Now, the interesting thing, though, uh, about Mary is, let me just give you a little bit of, of history of Mary. So Mary, we know that she was born to uh, Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, and Anne of Nazareth, a small town in Galilee. We don't know for sure, but very highly likely that they were a faithful Jewish family of Jewish descent and raised to be a devout Jew. So that's, we, that's all we kind of know of, of Mary's of history. And then we come into um, this, this idea that Mary gives birth or Jesus is conceived in Mary. And this is where this, this story becomes like, wow, really? That, that Mary who is betrothed to Joseph, meaning they're not, they, they're not married yet, they're in this, this betrothal or this engagement period, uh, she finds herself pregnant, 13-year-old, 14-year-old, pregnant and has never been with a man. And what do you think she is going to be saying to mom and dad as her belly begins to grow? I promise, mom. I promise. Joseph and I, we've been pure. We've kept our distance. Right, right, Mary, right. You brought shame to our family now. Good Jewish girl like you, you're, you're pregnant and you're not even married 
And I can just imagine what the conversation is around town, right? And so here she is. She is conceived of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is conceived of the Holy Spirit. Mary becomes pregnant and goes through the whole nine months. So we know of Mary that, that she, at a young age, then becomes uh, pregnant, but then she has to endure this social stigma that is being attached to that. So it's not only like, oh, favored one, now, by the way, you're going to be ridiculed by your community. But I think something that we're going to learn from Mary's life is there's something so much greater to be pleasing to God than to be pleasing to the people around us. That Mary, she was willing to face the ridicule because she so wanted to say, God, use me. I'm available for you. So then we, we realize that then, then Joseph marries Mary. And they, after, after Jesus is born, and they have to escape to Egypt to get away from Herod, who was looking to kill all these babies because he heard this Messiah was going to be born at this time. We don't know much about Mary's life after that a little bit. We, we have some few little glimpses of her. We, we see that she is um, a part of Jesus's life as he's growing up. We see that she was um, at Jesus's crucifixion. She was a witness to his crucifixion. We know that as Jesus was hanging on the cross, he looks at his disciple John and basically says, John, please look after my mom. And so Jesus has this compassion to Mary. So Mary's still alive at this point. So if she was 13, 14 years old and Jesus died at 33, do the math. That's kind of her age at that point. But then we do know that, um, that she was around during Jesus' resurrection as well and ascension. And she is actually named as one of the believers in Acts at the upper room when the Holy Spirit comes. Now, there's some divergence, and I just want to give some a little bit of history before we get some life lessons from Mary. And realizing that we as Christians, but Christians probably from a more Protestant side, charismatic, Pentecostal, Protestant side versus a Catholic side, we view Mary a little bit differently. We realize that, that Mary was the, was the fulfillment of prophecy from Isaiah, that, that they would, there would be this virgin birth that would take place, that a virgin, in other words, never have been with a man, would give birth to a child, and she gets visited by an angel to be able to tell her this, and the story unfolds. But, but where the divergence happens is, is the Catholics would believe that there's this immaculate conception which Mary would then have been sinless is kind of the dogma that the Catholic Church has taken. And because of that, she is revered a little bit differently than what we would revere. We would realize that we would see Mary as a human being just like everybody else. And yet God chose to use her and as a virgin, Jesus came. So different than immaculate conception. The other difference is, is they um, have this idea, the Catholics believe that Mary's body was taken whole up to heaven. She didn't die uh, a natural death. And she was basically, they call it consumption. She was basically taken away um, 
but, but again, biblically, if we hold true to the Bible, what we know is that Mary gave birth to Jesus as a virgin. And that Mary, the only thing that we read was, was John was looking after, one of Jesus' disciples was looking after Mary until uh, she passed on. That's what we do know. But there's some things that we want to learn about Mary's life that is important for us to understand. So she has this unexpected visit from an angel, Gabriel. Gabriel is one of the archangels, which is, which is fascinating. By the way, we're going to do a message, I don't know if it's this week or the week after, on angels. I, I think it's fascinating that there are celestial beings that are there to be messengers sent by God to speak to humanity. Um, and so I think it's important to look at that as one of the the characters um, or the people around or the peoples. I guess they're not people, they're angels, they're beings. But here, here an angel Gabriel visits Mary and he begins to say, oh, favored one of God. Oh, favored one of God. What, what is it about Mary that she was favored and what is it that we can then learn from it and saying, guess what? I can be also favored by God. Anybody want to be favored by God? And, and here's the thing, you all are favored by God anyways, but this, this idea to say that I'm available to be used by God. I love what Andre was saying, um, you know, encouragement to us. I know Andre's story, and I so appreciate you, Andre, and your willingness to just kind of be vulnerable and say, you know, if God can use me, if God can use me, he can use you. And I think sometimes we sell ourselves short to realize that I'm not, I haven't lived this perfect life. I haven't made, well, if you've looked at all my mistakes I've made, and you know some of my story, and I'm not going to recount some of my story, but I've made a fair share of significant mistakes in my life. Uh, Pre-coming to this encounter with God that... um, then I would even say, you know, after meeting Jesus, you, you, you journey off and you, and you make decisions that aren't the best decisions. But here, here's Mary's life, and she has come to this place where God calls her favored. And, and what is it about Mary's life that we can learn? I think there's something that we can learn by, by Mary, she, who had this, this heart of saying, here I am, God, just, just use me. I'm your humble servant, she says. So there's something about humility that we can walk away with saying, okay, God uses humble people. And what does humble humility look like? It's not just like, woe is me and lowly. It's, it's a humility to say that my life is not my own. And I think in our culture where we're kind of programmed to say your life is about you, my job, my career, what I want to purchase, get my home, my family. But, but what if your life was actually designed to serve God and his purposes? And our fulfillment and our, and our, and our, yeah, our fulfillment comes by aligning our life to what God wants to do through us. But it requires humility to say, I remember like when Jesus was at the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he says, not my will, but your will be done. He's talking to the Father as he's praying before his crucifixion. And I believe that's the same essence of what Mary is saying, saying, you know what? I know I'm going to face a lot of ridicule. I, I know I'm going to be like 
you know, made fun of. I'm going to be really disappointing to my parents. I'm going to really be an outcast in my community. And yet, with humility, she says, God, I trust that you know what you're doing. Would, would we today come to this place of saying, my life is not my own, and God has a great plan and purpose for my life, but, but when God says, would you, can I do this in and through your life, knowing that you might face some ridicule? Would you still be willing to say, God, I trust you. My life is not my own, and I'm not so comfortable with my life, and I'm not so care about my reputation that I would come to this place in humility and trust that God knew what he was doing. But you see, she also had to overcome fear. I, I do believe that when she met Gabriel, first of all, that would be like, uh, like an, a massive experience to be Anybody encounter, I mean, I'm hesitate to say that. You don't have to raise your hands. But it, I, I don't know many people who have encountered face-to-face -to, -face to an angel. But I, I think there's something about breathtaking about it in a, like, awe thing. Because they always approach humans by saying, fear not. <laughs> right? So I think the natural reaction is like, what is this in front of me? <sighs> you know, it's just like, I'm, I've heard they're giant, I, like, really tall I'm sure they're just, their presence is just, it's probably a holy presence about them, but fear not. And so Mary has to not only overcome the fear, she has to take the message and, and, and right quickly, the way the account of Luke and Matthew talk about it, she says, okay, here I am, your humble servant. So not only does she have to overcome the stigma, she has to overcome fear of what this, this task might be. And I think with that humility and overcoming fear is great trust, and she has to trust. So there's something about Mary that I believe that she knew the Father in heaven. And she knew God so much in a way that she says, God, if this is what you're asking of me, here I am. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and it says, Without faith it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Mary believed. Her faith must have been so high at that moment, even though her emotions were probably getting the best of her. She, her courage rose up, her trust rose up, and she, she basically would have to say, God, if this is what you have for me, here I am. And I think that's why I love this scripture of Hebrews chapter 11. It says, without, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Is because there's something that has to rise up and say, you know, even though I don't see it, if God's saying it, I believe it. And the word of God, and somebody said, like, I can't hear God. And I say, go into the word of God and find out what his promises are and allow him to then start guiding you through his word and the Holy Spirit. In 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Mary had to, in that moment, not only have faith, but overcome fear. And, and fear, I believe, begins to be addressed when we come and ask the Holy Spirit to fill us and say, God, I just don't want to be played by my own emotions, but I want to rest in you. And I want to have your spirit fill me 
with power and love and that I would be able to control myself because I can just imagine a young teenage girl would probably have all kinds of emotions. I've been around, around young teenage girls. They can have all kinds of emotions. <laughs> and yet she would probably have to have some self-control. She would probably want to have some meltdowns with Joseph. It's like, Joseph, what did you do? I did nothing, I promise, Mary. <laughs> Thankfully, the angel Gabriel also spoke to Joseph. Later, we may get to Joseph, but I think Joseph really needed that because I think from a guy's perspective, one, is it really hard to believe? And in, like, what, you got pregnant and you weren't with somebody? I, I'm just trying to, as a, as a guy who would be, well, I was engaged at one point to my lovely Audra, and I, I can't imagine if Audra came to me and said, you know, uh, I got some news for you, Mark. I'm pregnant. And knowing full well that we didn't do any hanky-panky. And so, so I'd be like, right, Audra. It's like, no, promise. I've, I've not been with anybody. And I'd be like, right. How does this happen, right? And I think... Sometimes we come to the place with thinking about God and how he wants to work in and through our lives. I think maybe we've, we've, we've narrowed our faith down to whatever it is that we can see and, and be, conjure up what we can believe. What, what if we walked out of here today saying, God, here I am. You, you, can, you can use me as you wish for your glory and for your kingdom. And knowing that when God sees that humility and that faithfulness in you, that, that you can trust him to do great things in and through you. But can you relate a little bit to Mary? I mean, can you start seeing the dilemma and, and, and the things she had to overcome to be able to say, here I am, I'm just your willing servant. And... And that's really powerful. The other part that I find really fascinating in Mary's account is, is God's grace. God's grace. So not only is it Mary's faith and trust and humility, but God's grace. That God chose her. And he graced her with the ability to walk through what she would need to walk through. I think sometimes we realize that sometimes we think we have to conjure up our own strength, right? We have to kind of like, well, I don't know if God can ask this of me because I'm, then I'm going to have to really perform for him. That's the beauty of grace is grace does not require any performance from you. Grace, all grace is, is meaning that you, it's his grace in your life and you just need to yield to it. I think we're afraid to say yes because we are afraid that somehow that we can't rise to the occasion. But I, can I want to give that encouragement? Mary didn't have to rise to the occasion. She just had to be faithful to what God had given her. God's grace was sufficient for her. God's grace was sufficient for her.
In Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not by your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. I don't believe that Mary could go around boasting, saying, Yep, God picked me. Look how good I am. You know, I, I'm, the, I'm the chosen one of anybody he could choose. I'm the favored one. I think it was very different. I think she was pretty humbled by the fact that God would choose her. But in that trust and humility and that faith, she had to walk in God's grace that would have to be bestowed upon her because otherwise it would be too difficult for her to navigate all the ridicule, all the disbelief, all the pressure. And so when you hear this message saying, well, I'm, I'm willing to be used by God to do extraordinary things for him, supernatural things for him. But I, I don't know, one, I'm not good enough. And God says, you don't have to be good enough. You just have to be faithful. You just have to have trust. Well, I don't know if I can carry the weight of this responsibility. If God's going to entrust big things to me, I don't know if I can carry the weight of it. And you just say, God, you don't have to. God's grace is sufficient for you. And Mary, as she walked, like we don't, we don't see a, hat, a tattered Mary in the scriptures, do we? When we think of, of the virgin Mary who gave birth to Jesus, we don't conjure up this frazzled young girl. We don't in our mind conjure up. I'm sure there are moments. I'm, I'm sure there are meltdown moments. But I do believe that she walked with grace confident that God was using her and God's grace was in her life. You see, I think it comes equal with faith and grace. Faith is our part. Grace is his part. When we walk down the street and God says, will you? And we answer, say, yes, here I am, your humble servant like Mary. Our faith rises up, say, we trust you, God. We trust that this is your voice speaking to us. I don't know how it's going to happen and I don't know um, all the details. But I trust that your grace is going to be sufficient for me to walk through what you've asked me to walk through. See, I, I think sometimes we're, we're very shy and we're very nervous to, to say yes to him because of the, the feeling like it's going to be too difficult. That's why I love this scripture about, about a yoke. You know, it says, take my yoke upon me. It's my yoke is light. And it's the whole idea of two oxens. You know, there's a, uh, an oxen yoke. If you've ever gone to the, have been to the Deerfield Fair, you'll see the oxen poles. A lot of times they will partner up a, a hefty oxen with a young oxen for training purposes. And it's the, it's the big oxen is, that, is the one that's carrying all the weight of that. And the young one's kind of saying, oh, well, this is what I do. I kind of go along for the ride. It's not so of a heavy burden. And that imagery is helpful for us to realize that, that Jesus is really picking up the weight. God is picking up the weight of that. Lastly, before I jump into some applications here, I mean, hopefully you've already beginning to say, all right, you know what? I'm going to be a humble servant. I'm going to say yes to, to God's possibility that he wants to work through my life. I don't have to be good enough. You've kind of figured that out. Then you realized, well, I just need to have faith. I need to have humility. But then you realize, okay, 
I don't have to do this. I don't have to conjure up something, all this strength and all this, feel all this weight that God's grace will be with you, which means it's not going to feel like a burden. But then at some point in time, obedience has to kick in. Obedience kicks in to saying, okay, God, if, you, if you're asking me to take these steps, like Mary was needing to say, okay, if I need to be the carrier of the Messiah of the world, wow, that seems like a lot. But I'll say yes. And, and obedience really is just to say yes today say yes tomorrow say yes the next hour because sometimes you're going to need to break it up and you're like you're not saying yes for the rest of your life you're saying yes to this moment Holy Spirit you're speaking this to me now I'm saying yes I want to be obedient to that see some of you have been placed in very strategic places in your workplace in your homes that God wants to birth miracles through you all day long. And all he's doing is he's looking for humble people to say, God, you can use me. I, I want to be obedient to that. Here I am, your humble servant. And remember, remember when, when you're saying yes to that, all you need to do is, is say yes to that one little thing. I think sometimes we feel like, well, well, if I've even just mentioned Jesus as something, they're going to ask me all these hard questions, and then, then am I going to be responsible for their whole life? And I, I gotta, I gotta have to make sure that they grow in their relationship with the Lord. And your mind goes into all of these much larger, bigger things, and then it paralyzes you. And and when all God was just saying, would you, would you just open up your mouth and share something hopeful, whatever it is that God's asking you to do. To say yes in that moment and then realize that God's grace is sufficient. And his grace is the very thing. Is It's the enabler. He enables you to do it. You don't have to conjure anything up. Your part is saying yes by faith. Your part is saying yes by faith. Mary showed us that's all it took was saying yes by faith and in obedience and faith and trust. Application. I think sometimes that, that it's like, okay, I get these concepts, but I think there is some work that we can do in the background that prepares us. And it's not work, remember, it's God's grace doesn't require our work, but there's some things that we can do in our life. Number one, I think there's something about prayer and reflection. I think dedicating regular time of prayer and reflecting on scripture to nurture humility to build our faith, to grow in perseverance. I think understanding what God has been doing in and through other people's lives and God's promises, I think builds our trust, right? Like it's, it's I think Mary knew who God was, that, that she, she had a level of trust in him already for her to say yes to saying, I, I know this is God speaking to me through this angel and I'm gonna say yes. But I think it's harder to say yes when we are somewhat disconnected from our Father in Heaven. And so I think praying and reflecting on Scripture and would be helpful to prepare us. In this Advent season, preparation is one of the 
the weeks that we talk about. We begin to prepare ourselves. And I would encourage you as we, maybe a good start is grabbing this devotional and maybe it's hard to get in the Bible not knowing where to start, but maybe starting with a devotional and saying, that's going to be a good place of prayer and reflection. The next really practical thing is service and compassion. See, see, Mary was willing just to serve. She's just willing to serve. And, and she didn't have all the answers, but she said, choose me, your humble servant. Choose me, your, your humble servant. And, and I think in our society where we're service, unless you're in the service industry, then you're trained how to serve. But I think we're trained to be selfish. Our human nature is selfish. But just begin finding ways that you can randomly serve somebody else. By the way, I'm so grateful for all of you who serve at Grace Capital Church. I came in here today and there's a bunch of stones going across the either looked like something had put a bunch of stones on our walkway. And I came in and I was going to go grab a broom. And before I did, I saw somebody on the walkway just brooming that. Didn't even ask, ask. But it was that heart of just saying, you know what? I see a need, I meet a need. I'm just going to serve. But that prepares us to, to realize that we all want to be prepared to be servants of God. And to be willing to say, it's not my will, but his will be done in my life. And, and yet we need to kind of reorient ourselves around service. Next, I would say seeking God's guidance is a really another practical example of this. Is pri prioritizing seeking God's guidance and decision making. I know there's a stage of my life and, and maybe I've right or wrong. I'm not suggesting you do this, but there was a time where I used to like, God, should I buy these shoes? Should I not buy these shoes? What do you think? And I wasn't asking him what, whether he thought they looked good on me. <laughs> I was asking him if I should be spending my money that way. Probably doesn't hurt to, to ask the Lord about deferring to him just training yourselves, like asking, seeking God's guidance in decision-making. And maybe it's, we do this for the major ones, right? You, you, I know I did it when I was like, I barely knew the Lord, but I knew it was a big deal because I was going to get married for life. And I basically said, God, I'm praying on this one. Like, is she the one? Is Audra the one for me? Right? And, but I would say on daily things, maybe include him in decision-making. Seek his guidance and being willing to yield to that because as we're faithful with little, God entrusts you with more. These are really practical, but these are ways that, that help you start stepping into the way of being available and ready for when God's Holy Spirit comes tapping on your life and says, would you be willing? You hear his voice. You have already built a heart of service. You've already begun to know how to yield to God's ways, not your own flesh, your own way. And then lastly, I would just say there's something about gratitude and worship. Develop a habit of gratitude and worship 
acknowledging God's faithfulness, mercy, and grace in your life. I think sometimes we get so preoccupied, and I, again, I appreciate uh, our worship team. They started with that idea of like, God, we can just be so grateful for what God has been doing. Science will tell us that, that living a heart of, or living a life of gratitude is actually really healthy for you. I think it's this way God's, de- you know, hardwired us. But I think when we begin to start seeing God's faithfulness and his grace in our life, that again, it's these small things, but we're beginning to acknowledge. And it's like, you know what? God got me through this part of my life. Thank you, God. Your grace was sufficient for me. God, you were so faithful back then. You know, when I thought life was falling apart, you walked me through it. You've been so faithful. So much so that when we begin to understand his character and his nature, and we've lived out this, this heart of worship and gratitude, that we realize that 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 when he starts asking us more things of our lives, which by the way, it's not a taking from you, we become more full people. We become more alive. We become more purposeful. That gives us just meaning in life. But we're ready. We're ready. So today we look at Mary's life. A young girl who had to say yes to something really big, carrying the savior of the world in her womb, gave birth as a virgin woman, as a virgin girl. And during the challenges of ridicule, but I bet she walked with great grace and strength because she knew it didn't depend on her dependent on God to walk her through it. Some of you today are realizing that that life is a little heavy, but I want to remind you that God is with you and he's faithful. His grace is sufficient. There's some of you who are already feeling like life is good, but you're going on autopilot and it's been a while since you checked in with God and said, God, what do you think? decision-making. And some of you haven't even asked the Lord and saying, God, I just want to be used by you and I want to be a faithful servant. Some of you, God has already asked something of you and you've allowed fear to grip you and you're not willing to pull the trigger yet. But today is going to be a day that you realize The heaviness and the weight of that decision does not rest on you. All you need to do is say yes to that one thing. Let his grace carry you. Be faithful to say yes to that one thing that God has already spoken in your life. Father, we are thankful that Mary said yes to you. We're thankful for Mary's life that She obviously had enough relationship with you at a young age. That it didn't take her too long to say, here I am, your faithful servant. Lord, and let that be also a reminder for our young people in this room to realize that God wants to use you, work through you, and include you in his unfolding plans and purposes for this world.
Help us to ready ourselves to be open to opportunity for God's spirit to work through us. That we would hear your voice. That we would posture ourselves with humility, full of faith, as a servant. That we would receive your grace that you would give us. That we can walk with confidence that you go before us. If you ask it of us, your grace will be sufficient for us. And everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time.